Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. Hey, we can bring the warmth with us, right? So if you're new, we usually don't wear stuff like this on stage. Usually I have pants on and uh, I'm not wearing my Burks, but Burks are way of life, and I will use any excuse to wear them. So it is Tropical Sunday, and because of that, you know, we are doing something just a little bit different this morning. You know, me and Derek, we are going to do a little bit of co-preaching this morning as we wrap up our series called Asking for a Friend. Asking for a Friend, right? The last few weeks, we've been, oh, yes. Oh, look at that. Hey, <laughs> I did forget this week, guys. I was on a roll. That was like two weeks in a row. But if you are a kid, you can <laughs> take off. It is much more fun back there. Uh, there's some special tropical things planned for you guys. You don't have to hear me talk. Uh, I was on such a roll, too. Dang it. Next week, I, I'll, I'll get it next week. Don't worry. Don't worry. Um, as I was saying, you know, we're in this series called Asking for a Friend, where we are we're tackling some, some tough questions that people, have, that people have about church, about faith. And, and this morning, you know, we figured we'll, we'll, we'll end this series on a pretty easy question. And it's a question that, you know, a lot of us have heard, right? As a youth pastor, I hear this all the time from students. If you have been a Christian for any amount of time, someone has probably asked you this question. And the question this morning is, why do bad things happen? Right? Why do bad things happen? If we serve a good God, why do bad things happen? Why are there natural disasters? Why is there sickness? Why do people experience loss in this life? Right? If God is truly good, why do bad things happen? That's what we're tackling this morning. So give it up for Derek as he comes up this morning. I don't think there's a clear question that kind of goes along with this and why we live here, right? Like we're good people, yet we're like punished with this weather that we get where it's tropical Sunday. What you didn't see in the video is it started snowing about two minutes after uh, we got done recording. It's like this is the most classic thing. Like we're in Hawaiian shirts on the roof and we're dealing with snow. But it truly is such a good question because I think it's one of one question whether you've been in church your entire life or whether you've been opposed to church your entire life this question is kind of at the crux of every single source of belief and I think what's critical to understand is when you have a question like this and you look at things that you see in our life things that are difficult things that seem unfair things that are just bad it can be easy to go there's got to be some simple answer and just frankly there are times when it's not we're going to take a look at what the scripture says. We're going to take a look at what we believe God says about bad things. But at the end of the day, I think it's so clear that Riley, I want to make point here, is that there are some things in life that you just can't explain. Things that are difficult and hard to wrap your head around. So what do you do with that? Genesis chapter 2, the second chapter of the Bible, all the way back at the very beginning, it says this. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it, and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. 
We see from the first chapter and the rest of Genesis that God has a bunch of characteristics, a bunch of adjectives. He's omnipotent, which means he's all-powerful. He can just create things out of thin air. He's omniscient, means, which means he's all-knowing. He kind of knows what's going on all of the time. And he's omnipresent, which means he's always there, kind of like Santa Claus, but better. He's everywhere all of the time. And we see in Scripture that he's classified as good. So he creates the earth, and all of a sudden, Adam is smack dab in the middle of this garden known as the Garden of Eden. And for those of us in Minnesota, it's sometimes hard to picture what this looks like, okay? Because we think of garden, we think of like planter boxes in our backyard with rabbits all over the place. Like this is like a paradise. This is a huge, huge, huge garden. And there's trees and landscape everywhere. And we see in the scripture that God was actually walking among Adam and Eve. He was there. He was present. He was close. There was endless amounts of provision, water, food, and God put Adam there to work the land. He gave him a purpose. Like, hey, work the land. You'll get fulfillment from your purpose. It's this picture of literal perfection. Genesis chapter 2 is like literally the picture of everything being perfect, almost heaven-like on earth. But what I think is so interesting, as I studied the scripture this week, he says, hey, you can eat from any tree here, but just don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What I find so interesting about this is that before sin even entered the world, everything was literally perfect. Yet we still see that even before sin entered the world, evil existed. Don't eat from the tree of good and evil. Evil was already present before anything sinful even happened, which is why God's saying, hey, don't eat that fruit because then you're going to see that there is good and evil in the world. Right now, everything seems perfect to you because everything's great, but there's good and evil that can coexist. I think a lot of times we think that if there's something bad present, that means there must be nothing good in it as well. As if the presence of bad and good cannot be in the same thing, yet we see in Scripture that it is. So what God does, is, but he gives them a choice. Later on, he creates Eve, but in chapter 3, look what this interaction looks like. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. And then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. This explains exactly why my kids don't listen to me. It really does, right? Because I can, I can take them to my pantry and say, all right, guys, you can have anything in here. There's chips, Cheez-Its, granola bars, no fruit, all these good things, right? You can have anything in here. Just all I ask is you don't eat dad's M&Ms because then dad's mad and I need my M&Ms. So don't eat anything. You can have anything you want in this in this whole place. Just don't have the M&Ms. And parents in the room, you know what they chose. You know what they had. They had the M&Ms because it's the one thing they couldn't have. What's so interesting is God gives humans a choice. He said, hey, don't eat that, tr- that fruit. He didn't say, I'm making you not eat that fruit. He wasn't some cowboy from a rodeo where as soon as Adam and Eve started walking up to the tree, he goes, nope, and pulled them back. He gives them a choice. 
All humans have a choice. And Adam and Eve chose to do what God asked them not to do. And from there, we see that there's some negative things that came along with it. And it wasn't just them. It was all creation. Look what Romans chapter 8 says. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. God is good. I really believe that. But because we have the choice to choose what we want, we can choose evil things. And just because I choose to do something good with my life, maybe someone doesn't have to make that same choice. We can't have both. If we want to have choice, we have to understand that people are going to make different choices. And so where I land on this is that we live in a broken world, and there are some things that just can't be explained, not easily anyway. And a lot of times we look at bad things and we go, how could good exist? How could God exist? If he was truly good, then how come bad exists? And what I hang my hat on is that all the way back at the beginning, even in this literal, perfect picture of good, there was still bad things that existed. So what do we do with it? Talk to Riley. That's what we got to do. Yes, sir. So you're saying that because Adam and Eve chose to sin, that's why it's snowing again. Pretty much. Yeah. No, come on. But no, the the reality is like the, the thought of free will, the thought of Adam and Eve sinning, bringing all this, this evil in this world, right? They had free will and they chose to sin. And that's why diseases and, and natural disasters happen. Like that's a tough concept for us to wrap our, our head around. But what it comes down to is like, we live in a fallen world, right? When sin entered the world, we live in a fallen world and, and the enemy has a foothold in this world, right? And a lot of times people will ask me this question, like, why can, why does something bad happen? Right? And I think for, for me, I found the best answer we can ever give someone is, I don't know. I don't know. But what I do know is that we have a choice in how we respond to every situation, right? Regardless of, of whether it's something good that happens in our life or whether it's something bad, we always have the choice of how we respond, right? We, at the end of the day, we can respond in one of two ways, right? We can respond and let our, our situation, our circumstance dictate our joy, dictate how we go about this life. We can walk through life letting our situations take control of who we are. And I think at the end of the day, that's letting the devil work in our life, right? Because the devil has a plan for this world. The devil has a plan for our lives. And if we let our situations dictate how we respond, all we're doing is giving him a foothold in our life, right? So we can respond that way, or we can respond to Jesus. We can respond and hold on to the hope that Jesus gives in every situation. And I think this is described really well in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, where it says, The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Right? The devil's been sinning from the beginning. He wants to take a foothold in our life. He wants to deceive us. That's what he does. But I love what the second half of this verse says. The Son of God appeared to destroy the devil's work. Right? When I read that this week, that jumped off the page to me. Jesus came to destroy the devil's work. And what does that mean? 
Does that mean that we'll never have anything bad happen to us because the devil's work is destroyed? No. Evil still exists in this world. What that does mean is that regardless of our situation, regardless of the circumstance we're walking through, there's a hope that we can hold on to that's greater. And and even as I look out in this crowd, I, I see people who are walking through tough situations, right? Situations we never could have imagined we'd be walking through. And they're holding on to hope so tightly. And that encourages me. That inspires me to do the same. Because God gave us hope in and over every situation when Jesus came and defeated both sin and death. And it's our choice how we respond. It's our choice to hold on to that hope. Right? Romans 8.31 says, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? Right, Romans 8.28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God will work all things out for his good. But the truth is, God's good, I think, looks different than what, what our good might be for our life. Right? We might have this, this plan. Five years down the road, this is what I want my life to look like. This is my plan. This is what my good is. But God's good might look entirely different. God's good might take you on a path that you never thought you'd be walking through in your life. But we need to hold on to that hope and trust that God will work all things out for his good. Because he promises that in Romans 8.28. God will work all things out for his good. And I I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life where I've been walking through some situations and I probably gave up on that hope a little too early. Right? I stopped trusting that, that God was going to work this situation out for his good. Right? Maybe I gave up a day too soon. Maybe I gave up a week too soon. And I want to encourage us in this room, hold on to that hope one more day. Right? One more week. Because we don't know what God's good is going to look like in our life. Right? The devil can't beat us if God's in our corner. And we have to choose to hold on to that hope. I love what John 16, says, where it says, I, to- I t- have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. And get this. This is what Jesus says. In this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you will have trouble, right? You will walk through situations. You will walk through evil. You will experience loss in this life. Jesus is saying, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Right? Why do bad things happen? I don't know. But what I do know is that I get to hold on to a hope that's greater than any situation. And it's natural to want to know why. It's natural to want to know the questions that seem unanswered in our life. We like to have closure. We like to know the answers to things. But there are things that just don't make sense. And a lot of times we think that if we knew the answer to them, we would just be satisfied. But unfortunately, sometimes the answer is even worse than the unknown. And so what we're really after is hope. What we're really after is to make things seem right and seem good, which is exactly why Jesus came. 
1 Corinthians chapter 15 says, for since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. Yes, Adam and Eve made a mistake. Yes, that now brought sin into the world forever. But through another man named Jesus, there's now hope that in our current broken state, there's hope for tomorrow, for our situation, for our circumstance, and for the future. Why do bad things happen? I don't know. Is it fair? A lot of times, no. I know some of the most amazing people in the world. They are phenomenal, phenomenal people. Pure, awesome people. And they want nothing more than to have babies. And they can't. It's not fair. It's not fair. When this person who's amazing gets diagnosed with cancer at an early age, stage four, it's not fair. They were doing great things in church. They were phenomenal people. They were loving people. It's not fair. And we sit there and we go, surely God can't be real. God can't be good if this is happening. But look what it says in Luke chapter 23. As Jesus is hanging on that cross with with a nail in this hand, a nail in this hand, and two between his feet, knowing full well he lived a perfect, sinless, literally flawless life. Look what this interaction looks like in Luke chapter 23. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. Does that sound familiar? Aren't you God? If you're really God, then why won't you just come off the cross? If you're really God, then why don't you save yourself? And while you're at it, pull us off with you. It's a valid question. But look what he says in verse 40. I'm sorry, the other criminal in verse 40. The other criminal rebuked him and said, Don't you fear God? He said, since you are under the same sentence, we're punished justly for we're getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. How's that for a bad deal? You live a great, perfect life and you're insulted to the very end of your death for crimes you didn't commit. Yet Jesus has hope. Look what he says in verse 43. Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. What's that paradise he's talking about? Revelation chapter 21. And I heard a loud voice from the the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. There's a lot of questions about faith. I'm not going to be naive. I'm not going to lie to you and say, when I stand up on this stage, I don't have questions about things I don't understand. As someone who is a scientist and likes the science realm, I understand that some of these things seem so obscure and abstract, it can be tough to believe. And you might, as Riley said, be sitting in this season going, why am I here? I've been doing what you asked me to do, God. Why? 
Why? Why? Yeah, I look at it this way. When you flip it around, had it not been for Jesus going to the cross, we don't get a hope for tomorrow. As a scientist, one of the things that I learned many, many times over is that one of the key note ideas of how we came into being was that we start out as a single cell. And then over evolution, things lined up and we became complex organisms, so on and so forth. But the crux of that argument really comes down to it's randomized chance that collides at just the right time. And quite frankly, it's a valid theory. But the problem with the theory, and if you believe it, I'm not here to tell you otherwise, but here's what I will say. If everything is a random chance, then there's no hope for good because it's random. If everything is down to random chance, survival of the fittest, there is no hope for tomorrow. Yet I have seen the good. I've seen the breakthrough. I've seen that, you know what? We're needing a miracle. We're praying. We're believing. And the breakthrough comes. I've seen things where it seems so bleak and so far out of the realm of possibilities, yet it comes into being because it is good. And I'm not saying that it happens for everybody all the time. But what I am saying is that even in the wake of some of the most heart-wrenching, difficult things we could walk through, there's hope in the middle. For today, that God is present, he is real, he is capable, but also for the future. To know that one day when we too do pass, it's going to be perfect. There's going to be no more pain, no more tears, no more struggles. That day is coming. But in the meantime, we have hope and a purpose. A purpose. Paul, he's an apostle. He wrote darn near two-thirds in the New Testament. He talks about living a life worthy of his calling. He loved God. He was chased after God. You know what? He also spent lots of time in prison for standing up for his faith. He was also flogged in time and time again. Yet he says, I am going to run the race that God has marked out for me. I want to live a life worthy of the one he's called me to live. And I believe that that same invite is for all of us. I don't know why bad things happen. But I do know in the middle of it, we're called make a difference in our world yeah and i i love that that charge that each one of us have in life to to live a life like paul where we can make a difference right where we can do something about what we see in the world and it starts here in our community but i think it, it goes beyond our community right and there's at the end of the day there's a lot of evil still in this world right and one of the one of the biggest evils one of the the things that that break my heart is something called human trafficking and human trafficking is is modern day slavery right it's people being sold day after day sometimes up to 20 30 times a day and they're sold the people to be sexually abused right they're sold into just a helpless lifestyle Right, and a lot of them, they, no one chooses this life. A lot of them, 
when their their kids they're identified and, and sold even sometimes before birth right a parent will be like i need the money so i'm selling my daughter even before she's born so that when she turns 12 when she turns 10 she'll start to be prostituted right and the the thing is when when we hear stuff like this my mind always goes to like oh that's something that's going on over in the middle east that's something that's going on in india but it's going on right here in our backyard the mall of america is one of the biggest hubs for people being trafficked in the u.s right just a few miles down the road the mall of america is where people are being sold into human trafficking and that breaks my heart and we can do something about it and there's a a a shocking fact that every 30 seconds someone is sold into human trafficking for the first time every 30 seconds right as we've been talking this morning that means 45 50 people have already been sold into human trafficking and we can do something about it and the thing that really breaks my heart is that these people who are being sold into human trafficking right they're they're not men they're not women they're kids the average age of someone that's sold into human trafficking the average age is 12. that's sixth graders that could be walking into youth on wednesday night that's some of our sons and daughters in this room 12 years old every 30 seconds and just like paul we can actually do something about it you want to tell us about that yeah how could god allow this right evil so evil and I've had these conversations with God saying, God, why don't you do something? Why don't you stop this? A lot of times what I've heard, not audibly, but just a check in my spirit, is I have I sent you. Use your life for something positive and good. Because we have the choice. You can choose evil. You can Choose me. Choose good. A man named by the, by the name of Brent Silkey chose good. He's one of the missionaries that we support here at this church, but on his 30th birthday, about six years ago, he found out this horrific, horrific idea of human trafficking. And he just got wrecked by it. He said, God, what can I do? And he had this crazy dream, this crazy idea because every 30 seconds, someone is sold into human trafficking. So on his 30th birthday, he said, you know what I want to do? My 30th birthday, I want to get 30 of my friends, each raising $1,000. And we're going to run 30 miles together and raise $30,000 to help stop human trafficking. Because every 30 seconds, someone becomes a victim. That was in 2017. Six years later, I just talked to him this week. As of December 2022, $1.56 million has been raised to stop human trafficking with another 6,000 people jumping on the train to help stop this. It's amazing. But I asked the question, what were to happen 
if that question that Brent had of, God, why are you allowing this stopped there? And not, God, what can I do? Because if he didn't step into what God was calling him to do, that's another 6,000 people and $1.56 million that wouldn't have helped stop human trafficking. What the coolest part is, people are getting saved. They're hearing the stories. Someone getting rescued off the strip of Vegas going, I didn't think anybody was still looking for me. As they get them to safety, they break going, there's hope even in the midst of the evil. Yeah, and this, this thing that Brent started six years ago when he ran 30 miles, it's something that, that has, has transformed and grown year after year. And now it's, it's turned into something called 30 for Freedom. Now, May 27th this year, 30 for Freedom is more than just 30 friends running 30 miles. It's a, it's a race that thousands of people are going to take, take part in this year. And people will run a 5K, a 10K, a half marathon. Some people might run 30 miles, and there are a few crazy people this year who I'm hearing are running 60 miles because they want to do something to end human trafficking. And I don't, know, I don't know about you, but I want our church to be a part of this movement. Because when I hear that there are people being sold every 30 seconds, that breaks my heart. It breaks Derek's heart. And we want our church to do something about 30 for Freedom this year. If you've been around for the, the past year, we, we talked about water wells in Africa. That was our big missions push in our youth group, and our church got behind it 100%. And this year, we, we, planted, we built all the water wells, right? So we don't need, no, I'm kidding. We, that's still a need. But this year, we are pushing anti-human trafficking. That's our big speed the light push this year, and it starts with 30 for freedom. And we want our church to be a part of it. Me and Derek, we are going to lead the way in this. We are both going to, we're going to run. Don't know how far Derek is running. I told first service this, and I can't take it back. Uh, so I'm running 30 miles again this year. And, like, I, I want to encourage you guys to do something about it. Because the big thing at 30 for Freedom is we want people to go from comfortable to less comfortable so that we can make a change in this world. Right? And I don't know about you, but I hate running. Right? Does anyone else hate running in here? We have a few hands, a few liars in this room too. But we want to go from comfortable to less comfortable. And for most of us in this room, one of the most uncomfortable things we can do is, is run a 5K, is run a 10K. Some of us, maybe we want, to, we want to rollerblade a 10K. Maybe some of us, we want a longboard or we want a bike this year. But the challenge for our church is to get behind this movement of 30 for Freedom. And as a church... We want to move 250 miles, right? but it doesn't stop with just moving because if, if all we're doing is, is running, if all we're doing is biking or, or rollerblading, right, we're raising awareness, but the biggest thing we can do is raise funds, right? Like Derek said, over the last six years, 30 for Freedom has raised $1.56 million, right? What could our church add to that this year? What could you add to that this year? Maybe you want to run a 5K, 
but maybe on top of that, you want to give a mile or give a dollar for every mile this church moves. Maybe you, you'll hear over the next few weeks that there's a, a youth student who's running a 10K and you want to give them $10 for every mile. Whatever it looks like over the next few weeks, over the next few months, whatever God is challenging you to do, I want this church to be a church that says yes. Right, like I said, I don't like running. But for the last two years, I, I've done the 30-mile run. And it sucked. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> not good. And the first year, I trained super hard. And believe it or not, I felt really good for the first 21 miles, which I don't know how. But I felt really good. And at mile 21, it, it hit super fast. And I started cramping like crazy. And, and for about five minutes, I could not even move my legs. They both locked up and I couldn't move. And I really thought I was going to have to call someone and tell them I, I can't finish this thing. But after a few minutes of standing, looking helpless on the side of the road, I was finally able to kind of walk my way out of this cramp and, and work through it. And I, I was able to get to mile 26.2, which is a full marathon. And I, I remember running past the 26.2 mile mark and, and I was like, this sucks. I just ran a full marathon. I still have to go like four more miles. But I was like, I'm committing to doing something. I'm committing from going from comfortable to less comfortable so that this world can experience a little bit of change. And I'll never forget the last water checkpoint was at mile 27. As, as I saw that off in the distance, I saw my parents at this checkpoint. It became so real to me. As I saw my parents, as I was doing something uncomfortable, I just began to break down and cry. Because it became so real to me in that moment that while I was doing something uncomfortable, I still had people that loved me. I still had people that were there for me to walk through this, these last few miles with. I gave my parents a big hug, and I was like, I'll see you soon. And for the next three miles as I'm running through Bloomington, cars are flying by me. I'm running, and I'm just bawling the entire time. As I crossed the finish line, I broke down again. Because for a moment, I was able to be like Paul. I was able to do something that changed some people's lives. And that's what I want our church to be a part of this year. So maybe you hate running. but Maybe you want to do a 5K. Maybe you want to rollerblade a 10K. Maybe you want to bike a half marathon. Whatever it looks like. On May 27th, that's what we're doing as a church. But I also know that I don't want this to be a decision that's made on emotion. Because this morning, sharing some facts about human trafficking, like, I hope it, it breaks you. I hope it stirs your heart to do something. But I also know that it's probably not realistic for everyone to sign up for 30 miles in this room. But as we begin praying over the next few days, I think God's going to speak to some of us to step outside our comfort zone. God might speak to you that, that over the next 10 weeks or however long it is, you can start training for a 10K. 
Maybe some of you, God's going to challenge you to step outside your comfort zone to go from comfortable to less comfortable in terms of giving to this. But in a few days, we're going to put some stuff out on social media so people can begin praying about what God wants them to do this year in 30 for Freedom. And in a few days, we're going to have ways for you to sign up to be a part of this amazing event. Because like Paul, we want to change the world. Right? There's evil in this world. We can do something about it. So I don't know about you, but I'm all in on 30 for Freedom this year. And if you are to come talk to me afterwards, we, we can maybe get you started in this process. But for a lot of us in this room, we, we want you to pray and ask God, what do you want me to do over the next few weeks as we prepare for this event? I think a lot of times as well, <clears throat> sometimes if we're real, just take this another level. We're going to continue to talk about 30 for Freedom. But here's what I also want to say. There are people in this room, people that are listening online. They're a lot like Riley was at mile 27. Tired. You're walking through a very, very long and sustained version of something tough. There's a great room of people around here that are going to cheer you on at that conversation. But right now, I just feel the need to pray for those in this room. You're ready to quit. The journey's been a lot. And honestly, I believe the Lord, through his people, through the church, is going to pick you up and bring you across the finish line with us through his power. I know there's questions in this place. Is God real? Is he good? I want you to experience that because I believe he is. Not because I read it, but because I've experienced it. I've experienced it through reading it. I just feel the need to pray for those who need that encouragement and need that hope that God is up to something. So you join us in prayer this morning. Jesus, I thank you for what you did on the cross. I thank you, Jesus, that you were endured something that wasn't fair so that we could experience the hope of heaven. Jesus, we all make mistakes. We all do things we wish we wouldn't, which is why the power of the cross, the fresh start you give us from the moment you died on that cross is so, so powerful. So God, I pray for those who are in this season feeling tired, feeling weighed down by the storm they're in, I just pray that they would sense your hope, they would sense your strength, they would sense your presence as they walk through this. And God, for all of us, may we lean into you, understanding, God, that you've taken our sin and separated it as far from us as the east is from the west. We are new and free in you. So may we walk out of this place feeling refreshed, restored, and made new. Jesus, be with us. In your name we pray. Amen. This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week.
Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.